Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, no more glasses. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I mean, I can't lie to you, Patrick. I've been having dreams recently of uh, mm. hundreds of women wearing the same exact thing with 3DSs tethered to them, marching oh, <laughs> through Mark, an auditorium. No. no, here's the thing. That was no dream. <laughs> that is the subject of today's episode. That can't possibly be, be true. <laughs> It is true. It is like 200 mostly blonde women <laughs> walking through the Nokia theater. Uh, it's it's horrific. The, look, I there's so much about this uh, e, that Nintendo's 2010 E3 presentation that I had not remembered, um, and so much of it that I was uh, not happy to be reminded of. Um, <laughs> But we'll <laughs> look. We we can get to all of that in a second. Um, but before we dig into uh, the the main topic of, of the show, um, we just wanted to uh, you know kind of keep uh, in, engaging uh, on the levels and the um, lever levers of power that we believe we can pull. Um, we were talking last week about uh, getting involved in, in in local politics, understanding what's happening. Um, and you know, trying to make a, a difference in some way there. Mark, you you brought up something before we started recording that I think it's good to talk about. Oh yeah, so like I just I guess I just wanted to plug the 2020 census. Um, if you're in the U.S., you know, like every 10 years, uh, there's a nationwide census, and the importance of the census is that this is one how uh, representatives of the House of Representatives are like divvied up, and so if you live in L.A. County, uh. It is presumed that LA is going to lose a representative this uh, census just because like population changes. Um, and then second, kind of following up with uh, what we talked about last week about getting involved locally. So the census also determines where literally billions and billions of federal dollars are going to be directed. And so you want to complete the census so that way you make sure that like you are accounted for and um, the government knows like, oh, like there are so many people in LA or wherever you live, we should send so many dollars there. And then once you've completed the census, that's another reason to be involved locally because you can help determine where those billions and billions of dollars are going in your city. And some of the people that are hardest to count are some of the people who stand to benefit the most from having those dollars directed towards your communities. Um, the uh, uh, the homelessness numbers just came out uh, in, in L.A. recently, and it's uh, nearly 60,000 individual individuals are experiencing homelessness in L.A. County right now. Uh, and that number is expected to get way bigger um, in the fallout from, uh, you know, people not being able to make rent due to uh, loss of employment due to COVID. So, you know, it, it is a we are definitely in a time where uh, all of that is going to matter uh, in huge ways. So, you know, make sure that you're able to uh, fill out the the census and that you are helping other people to do it, reminding other people to do it. Um, it's 2020census.gov is the website and you can just do it there. 
um, and it's super easy, super fast. I did it, it took like a minute. Um, so yeah, do that and then use that as a springboard to get involved and understand uh, how your city would, you know, your city, your town, your state, whatever, um, would use the money that that helps uh, direct towards the communities that need it. Um, and then this has nothing to do with communities that need anything. But if you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, you can. Um, all you got to do is send us an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and uh, give us a mailing address where we can send it. You can play it for as long as you like. Is the program still in its hiatus? Yeah, it is. The program's still in hiatus. I mean, technically, uh, maybe this hmm. is just the new normal for the program. And so it's not really in hiatus. It's just like, this is what the program is. And then it is you getting on a list to eventually borrow a copy of Sonic Forces that is currently nobody is borrowing. Like the, yes, the program right. has been in that state before. It's just usually for a shorter window. And so technically right, yes. the program is proceeding as usual. I mean, yes, technically true. I don't really want to hang on a technicality. But if you <laughs> like, we could say that the Sonic Forces borrowing program has turned into the getting on a list to borrow Sonic Forces program. I like this because uh, being like right on a technicality is the worst form of being right. And That's so correct. we so we should just make that technicality truth. And then we don't have to be right in, in that. And we make the rules so it doesn't matter. This is a great point. The point is you should get on the list uh, because someday maybe you'll get to <laughs> maybe you'll get to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. Um, Mark, there is no E3 this year. You know this. I know this. That means there is no Nintendo E3 presentation. There's no E3 Nintendo Direct. Even any chance that we thought we were going to get one, people have said, nah, it's just not happening. Uh, so we are using the entire month of June, E3 month, to travel back in time, not literally, to explore the E3 presentations of Nintendo's past. We've already done 2004. We've done 2006. Today is 2010, and next week is 2011. The reveal of the Wii U. Um, so if you would like to, you know, do a little homework, get ahead of the game, watch that 2011 presentation, and then like email us or tweet at us uh, about that presentation, that would be cool. We'd like to interact with you guys. And uh, you do a good job of pointing out things that we uh, are too dumb to notice. <laughs> would you say too dumb, Mark? <laughs> I, I fear that I would, yes. Uh, last week we were talking about the uh, 2006 uh, presentation, which in was the the reveal of the Wii, right? Um, and so we were talking a little bit about Excite Truck being sort of a, a go nowhere um, game and series. Um, and then I was confused about the control scheme in Twilight Princess. Uh, well, Paul on Twitter, uh, whose Twitter handle is something hold on uh paul c pace um wrote into us and said um uh excite truck has has a sequel on we called excite bots and it was also very good uh thank you for pointing that out we forget about everything in the excite series <laughs> except, and, except versus excite bike we know that one um and then also mentions uh, i was wondering if the twilight princess demo still had link left-handed if they hadn't flipped the world yet that would explain why the shield bash bash would be on the wii remote in the right hand uh paul that is correct this was before they had just worked out you know one of the the things about link is that he is a lefty um but in the wii release of twilight princess they had the whole world 
flipped the entire game. Left was right and right was left. Um, just so Link could hold the sword in his right hand, which is how you would be holding the Wii remote in your right hand. Um, and that is exactly how they were playing. Uh, or That is not how they were playing. Link's sword was still in his left hand uh, in the demo, which was only, you know, five months before the game came out well at, at what point in development do you think they were like oh we we can we can flip this yeah it, it seems nuts that like you said it's, it was only five months before release and they were still they were demoing it at like the you know biggest video game stage um with it and maybe they had already made the decision at that point but like the demo was too late to do it yeah yeah it, it's 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 all just very strange Although, uh, I mean, I guess if they had something working and they could demo it, uh, they were already leagues ahead of where they ended up in <laughs> 2010. Uh, without further ado, Mark, let's get into our uh, main topic today. Let's talk about Nintendo's 2010 E3 presentation. As we have done in previous weeks, Mark and I recorded some predictions for what we thought this uh, presentation was about. So let's listen to those now. I only remember one image from this presentation, and it is human beings with Nintendo 3DSs tethered to them walking out on stage <laughs> and like in front of the stage so that people could play the 3ds is uh without like running or the yeah without running off with them um that is funny because that is a tradition that carried through to at least like e3 2014 or 2015 um i wonder if it actually was 2015 because i was standing in line to play the demo for Star Fox zero and there were like nintendo reps um, walking around with a 3DS tethered to them so people could play, um, uh, oh, what is that, like, uh, Pokemon-esque game from Factor 5 about, like, the, the ghost? Oh, Yokai Watch. Yeah, Yokai Watch. Yeah, the yeah. first Yokai Watch. Um, so yeah, that, that is an indelible, uh, E3 3DS image is it being tethered to Nintendo reps, for sure. Um, how much do you think, uh, this presentation will be about the 3D, the glassesless 3D functionality of, of the 3DS. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really remember anything from this presentation. It feels like to me that that is going to factor in hugely because it was like the big differentiating factor of the DS to the 3DS, like so big that they included it in the name. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I I'm curious to like how much time they're going to spend on the 3DS at all um or like right is that like the bulk of the presentation because I yeah. I don't really have a good memory of like how much did we know about the 3DS at this point like by the time it comes to E3 is it kind of like they're doing the last big blowout before release or is this like a reveal Yeah, well and also like where are we in the Wii's life cycle at this point, right? Like, is it still at, like, the height of its powers? Is 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 this us, like, uh, freaking out about, like, Mario Galaxy 2? And, like, uh, you know, like, I, I feel like this is before the, like, the cresting the other side of, like, the Wii being just, like, a, a, a graveyard for um, uh, games that aren't uh, playable, you know, 
by people who've never played games before. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I th- this one I'm really excited for because I, I do feel like it's like the least memorable or at least the one that I remember least of uh, all the ones yeah. we've done so far. Um, games I expect to see on the 3DS. Uh, I expect to see Star Fox 64 uh, and uh, the the one where you're a submarine. What's that called? <laughs> Steel, Steel Diver. <laughs> I 100% expect to see um, Street Fighter 4 and uh, oh, Resident yeah. Evil like uh, Revelations and possibly Mercenaries, which was its like own release on that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. This is good. I think you and I have no idea what we're about to watch. <laughs> let's, let's get into it. It seems like we were pretty much fixated on what your dreams were. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but we were, I, I think this was maybe the closest we came in our predictions. And I think it's because you were right that they were all about, when it got to the 3DS, there were actually a lot of game reveals in the first half of this for Wii that I forgot about. But um, yeah. when, it, when it came to the 3DS, they like were all about the 3D Um you know, in, in previous episodes, we've talked about how these console reveals are all the same. They're always like, it's all about the games. And this reveal is the exception that proves the rule because they talked about like two games. And the rest of the time, yeah. it was just like explaining to people how wondrous 3D is. Yeah. And like how much of like the their proof of support for the 3ds um, was like look at all these companies that are bringing games from other platforms over to like you know they name check uh, resident evil and metal gear and um, like saints row and like all this stuff that like you know these aren't like new cutting edge games it's like it, it's it's port city usa um and or port city japan i guess i'm not sure <laughs> Um, but you know, it, uh, the, it is definitely not, they, they were not putting the experience first on that. They were putting the, the visual experience first, which, uh, oh, I, I don't know how much of it we should talk about like right now, or if we'll get there when we yeah. get there. Um, but I, I, mean, I, I think, I'll, I think we should probably talk about it when we get there. Just okay, because there's okay, so okay, much okay. before, there's All right, so much fair, before fair, the 3 Totally fair. Um, I was shocked, first of all. Again, why are these presentations 75 minutes long? They're so long. (laughs) This one felt especially long. And there are actually moments in here where I was just like, oh, man, like, uh, it is my notes. It just says, like, oh, like, I'm so glad they do Nintendo Directs now. Just, like, moments of, like, people walking across the stage where you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, like, 15 seconds of nothing that now, you know, like, doesn't exist. Um, yeah, we, we are the, the first game that they show in this is uh, Skyward Sword, and we are a full 19 minutes into this presentation before we're done talking about Skyward Sword. Like, that is how glacial this thing moves. Well, it's not it helped so by the slow. fact that, like, Skyward no. Sword de- does not demo well. Uh, they run into a lot of technical problems. But before we uh, get too much into that, I do want to say that, like, Re- like, Reggie comes out at the very beginning, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and we commented back, uh, in the first E3 episode we did in 2004 that, um, uh, or we didn't do it in 2004. It was the, the episode we did just a few weeks ago about the 2004 presentation. Um, and Reggie's like suits 
are fitting much better in 2010. And I don't know if that's just because like um, changes in fashion and men's like cuts of suit sure. in those six years. And like 2010 is much closer to it is to now to like what yeah. men's suits are cut like now. I don't know. I just thought it was worth pointing out. It is also possible that in the six years since 2000 before, Reggie has transformed from, like, precocious boy into man, right? <laughs> and so, like, it, he, he, he brings less of the sort of, like, aggro energy to this one. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think uh, is also, like, he's, he seems to be going through, like, a little bit of a transition period where he's maybe becoming more exec and less presenter because, like, well, he does... A, overall a pretty good job here he botches uh, a couple key moments here um including later calling disney epic mickey disney epic disney um <laughs> but he also just says a bunch of things wrong throughout this there's one time where he tries to exit the wrong side of the stage turns around and it goes the other way um it's just like I, I don't know i don't know if like the the skyward sword demo like got in his head or what but like He's not as super smooth in this as he is in, in in previous presentations, and I think that is definitely true of like the presentation as a whole. Um, which really, yeah, let I mean, let's talk about this Skyward Sword demo. <laughs> okay, so we open with Reggie. We're at the Nokia Theater, um, and uh, you know, Reggie's already starting to throw down the gauntlet of like the buzz around E3 is the technology, touchscreen, HD, motion control, button control. You know, he's he's really doing like his best to be the like you know the uh, the Barnum and Bailey. Like he's he's the ringmaster at this, right? Um, and then he's like, I want to adjust that perspective a little bit. Uh, technology is only a tool um and the best experiences come when technology and game design are perfectly matched and this is it's such an ironic statement for him to make like minutes before the technology is going to fail <laughs> <laughs> game design um so uh the the skyward sword trailer like the little opening tease is kind of super cool right like it starts with showing um different links from uh various eras of zelda we see like ocarina of time we see majora's mask we see uh wind waker there's a little pop in the audience when people see that tune link they love him so much um and then uh there's like the first solid look at skyward sword link um and uh yeah, that I, that that's really like where where the where the like the first look at the game, um, where it wraps up, and we see uh, Miyamoto on like a giant video screen, um, and <laughs> he it's this is a weird turn, Mark. I don't know how, I don't know how you uh how, how you like this thing, um, but uh you know it's Miyamoto in a video, and then he tosses it to uh, Bill Trinan, who is on the stage and is about to like demo how the game works, um, and then. Uh, like screen Miyamoto starts like trash talking Bill and Bill's like huh and then the screen goes dark and then Miyamoto walks out on stage and takes over demoing for Bill Trinan yeah. what's going on here <laughs> well yeah I thought it was I I don't know I uh, I guess it's always fun to see Miyamoto and I think you know like they knew that that was true right like you have an audience yeah. of like game journalists and people who uh, rightfully like love him and so the video is nice but seeing and bill trinan you know cool guy but like seeing me miyamoto on stage that's what everybody wants 
Um, I mean, absolutely. I just don't get why the psych out of like, <laughs> Bill's going to do the demo. Oh, no, Bill can't do it. Here comes Miyamoto to bail him out. It's one of those things that, you know, the little touches of humor that would play better in a direct when they could actually like edit it, you know, yes, for like that comedic yes. timing. Uh, but I do want to talk about one of the things that Miyamoto says in this like intro video where he's like, I think this game will be remembered as a key turning point in the Zelda like uh, series history. And I. Yes. Uh, at first I was like, man, I don't think it turned out like Skyward Sword turned out that way, but actually, I don't know that that's true. I think you actually could mark Skyward Sword as like a real turning point for the series. Okay. That's interesting. I don't agree with you, but, uh, I, I want to just throw, throw in this, this other, uh, thing that he said about it, uh, before they like get into demoing it. He, uh, uh I, I don't have the exact quote here, but he says something on the lines of refining the interface interface of the sword and shield, uh, using the sword and shield and the map that those are like, uh, key components of the, the Zelda formula. And their goal with this game was to make it so that you could use them freely and naturally. Um, but what what makes you uh, think that we you could consider Skyward Sword a a turning point for the Zelda franchise? Well, um, it's I, almost a dead end in I, my mind. Which right? I guess no, is a, a I no, I completely agree. Point. And like that's almost where um, yeah, that's like where I ended up. Where it's like yeah, they it is a key turning point in the sense that I think they kind of hit like the limits of a lot of what they could do. Right? Because like look, you look at Skyward Swords art direction you look at breath of the wilds art direction and i don't know you know like i don't i wasn't privy to development but i can see a line between the two and how breath of the wild is just like a better like more refined version of it because they like the hardware was just like so much incredibly better um you know like the the stamina wheel like that that plays such a big part in breath of the wild that comes from skyward sword like i i really uh, yeah, like Skyward Sword totally seems to me like one of those games where they just butted up against the limitations of what the traditional Zelda formula could do. And so like after the fact, they just kind of had to like tear it down to its studs and rebuild. Um, but, you know, so having not played um, Skyward Sword, like I do think it was interesting to have him articulate exactly what you said. Which is that, you know, the goal was to make the player feel like Link and that they, you know, like were holding the sword and holding the shield. And I think what's interesting about that is like you can see how that like germ of an idea turned into what Skyward Sword is. Uh, I just don't know that it was ultimately that successful. Like you're looking at the demo and it's it's it was striking to me how like um slow the game played because so much of the gameplay is about like you controlling the sword and so like combat and everything is really slow like each enemy encounter like a bow cobbling can take a while because you know like you have to match their actions and like swing low if they're blocking high and just watching it it looked interesting but it kind of looked like a tech demo like that part of it like didn't seem especially fun yeah well i, I mean it is interesting because like he, the two things that he says are like fundamental to the zelda experience are the sword and shield play and interacting with the map right um and 
I, I think all that this demo does is show how you control Link with a sword and shield and his various other weapons. Um, it does not really address how you get around the world or how that is, how exploration is a more like like exploration is not done any favors by Skyward Sword, right? The game is uh, notoriously linear. Um, it is notoriously enclosed, um, and you know it's it's just. Uh, I guess it is a turning point in that it, it gave like a a list of like suggestions of things to avoid in Breath of the Wild. The, it is a game where I don't know. It it's obviously a big hole in you know my Zelda vocabulary because I haven't played it. Um, it I don't own a Wii. I never had like Wii Motion Plus. Like all of those things would be barriers to playing it. And then on top of that, it just doesn't look like that much fun. Yeah. Yep. Um, and also one of the things that they don't talk about in uh, this presentation at all is just how like story focused and how like uh, how long and like how voiced the cutscenes are. Um, you know, it is we, we will later see a trailer for Metroid Other M, which comes out, you know, like uh, um, two months later. Um, and, you know, that is a uh, notoriously like talky version of a, a Metroid game. Um, and it's weird that uh, that was obviously a trend for like Nintendo, like big game development, but they weren't talking about it for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, and it makes sense because, well, I guess like for two reasons. One, because, you know, they're trying to capture this really wide audience. So you're trying to make a Metroid game or like a uh, Zelda game that can be appreciated by like everybody. Um, and yeah. then I think also like it's just a little bit of victim of the times. Because, you know, like games as these big like cinematic experiences was really beginning to, um, you know, like become an important trend right around this time. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, again, just to call forward to the uh, the 3DS uh, presentation, one of the biggest pops is seeing uh, Konami and Metal Gear being listed as, uh, you know, have having... Uh, games from that series coming to the, the 3ds so that is what people are like th that's where the prestige is um and so that's sort of where like nintendo is trying to uh steer at this point but like you know for whatever reason they're just like falling short of the mark um on, on a lot of them um i have in my notes here i hate this demo <laughs> <laughs> uh it's it's excruciating um they uh and you know a bill uh, or Miyamoto, Miyamoto via Bill Trinan um, explains that like everything was working fine in rehearsal. Um, there must be some like amount of interference, um, but like it just uh, gradually gets worse and worse as Miyamoto is uh, demonstrating sword strikes and aiming with uh, the Wii Motion Plus and all of this stuff. Uh, it gets to a point where not only isn't it accurate, it just flat out doesn't work. Um, you know, where like the, the cursor is just like scrolling through the sky uh, infinitely. Um, it's, it is really hard to watch. Yeah. It's, and yeah, it's hard to watch and really boring. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but eventually it ends. 
eventually it does end um and it, it's confusing because like they spend a, a ton of time in this like just showing like the really fiddly like okay here's how uh here's how you would throw bombs versus how here's how you would roll bombs um and then like they they come out of this demo this dis- train wreck of, of a demo um by showing like a quick sizzle reel of all of the all of link's actions actually in the game where everything miyamoto was trying to demo like five minutes earlier are just actually uh smoothly happening on on the screen which sort of i mean for me it, it it's almost like why is that not just on a button you know what i mean yeah uh-huh <laughs> um but you know that's uh that's i mean I, I don't really know what more there is to say about uh the 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 demo of of skyward sword here um miyamoto says uh, that development looks like it's going to take the rest of the year so you can look forward to playing it sometime next year um skyward sword doesn't come out until november of 2011 so they were uh you know put they just just like we're not going to find out who that arms character is for another like two weeks uh, nintendo is true to the timelines they state <laughs> but pushing them all the way to the end um and then reggie's back um so so we don't have to mark let me let me assure you, we don't need to talk about Skyward Sword anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Reggie, the way that he like um that he sets this up here is basically he's gonna talk about like three categories of games where he's like, all right, first we're gonna talk about like games with universal appeal. We he shows a couple of games, then he's gonna come back and be like, all right, then we're gonna talk about these like bridge games. He calls them uh intermediate core bridge games, and then um finally like some uh i don't even know like third party titles more intense titles that's what he calls it yeah 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 so and and he starts with talking about sports games which i feel bad for reggie in this moment because he's he's about to try to hype up uh mario sports mix as a mario game and a like arcade style like in the vein of nba jam which he is is like by the way we have an nba jam game coming and it's exclusive to switch um but he's gonna try to lump this game into that like same sort of arcadey experience um and you know they show off like a a a quick trailer from mario sports remix showing volleyball hockey dodgeball and basketball Uh, it's described as pure fun and i just feel really bad for reggie in this i had a note in my um that i wrote down that just said did this release and then i had to look it up and be like yes yeah it did so this is developed by square enix who also developed like the three-on-three mario hoops game for the ds as well right Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, and, you know, the, this is also where Reggie goes on, like, a little bit of, like, a, a brag run. Like, this is where they, he starts to do the, like, uh, we, by the way, is selling super well. Yeah, um, the, the and, very Reggie, yeah. like, some people say this, but yeah. this is what's happening. But, he, like you said at the beginning, where, like, that braggadocia has kind of, like, gone away, like, he doesn't really sell it. Yeah, well, and, you know, interestingly, these these were the sections that would have been under, that George Harrison would have come out to do um, in the 2004 and 2006 presentations. I don't know if uh, Harrison isn't uh, working with Nintendo at this point, um, but, you know, Reggie's just doing it. He doesn't have any charts. He doesn't even have any specific numbers, um, but, you know, he kind of just goes into, like, knockdown, uh, specifically the assumption that Wii owners 
just played Wii Sports or Wii Fit and then lose interest. Uh, Reggie claims that is simply not the case. And that's when he brings up the concept of bridge games. Um, what did you call them? Intermediate Th- That's bridge, what he hardcore. calls them. Intermediate core bridge games. So like the idea that these are like game people who have come in to play video games for the first time, they play these games that are like not as, um, you know, like uh, intuitive or simple, I guess, is like a Wii Sports and then they use these as a transition to those more complex titles. But the ones he brings up are like Mario Kart and uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii, which I, I, I guess would fit that definition. Um, they must have the data to prove that those are core games. I mean, I, <laughs> well, but I think, I think he is right in that they are um, games that like the super casual player uh, will also engage in uh, with someone who is a core player, right? So like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I've played both of those games with people who don't really play a lot of video games um, in addition to, uh, you know, something like, like Wii Sports. I don't think they would ever uh, pull out Mario Kart Wii on their own but are happy to do it when they're hanging out with me. You know what I mean? Yep. So this is this is what brings out the first like new bridge title, which is Wii Party. Mark, I'll tell you, this is another one that I had to go to the internet to be like, did this does this exist? Did it come out? Yeah, I to- I totally it did. Yeah, I totally forgot about Wii Party and I um Yeah, it's interesting to me that they are touting this as like a like one of those transitional games because to me it seems very much just kind of like another like we um sports or we play but i don't really have anything to say about this it's just like oh yeah i guess this existed <laughs> yeah t- totally um reggie says that it, that games like we party drive social interaction um which is his transition into talking about just dance 2 which was a Wii exclusive is that right I'd believe it because, like, uh, you know, before Connect, what else were you going to play it on? Oh, um, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have such fondness for the Just Dance titles. Um, I'm old now, so I uh, don't know any of the music in the current ones, so I right. do do not enjoy them. But uh, I have lots of great memories of the early ones, so it it was fun to see it uh, like touted as like a big Wii exclusive. Um, and uh, it should also be noted that if you wanted to buy the most recent Just Dance game, you could still buy it on <laughs> Wii. <laughs> just it was it Just Dance twenty twenty that came out like uh, a couple months ago. Came yep. out on Wii. Yeah, last one. Uh, remarkable. Um, weird pivot to uh, start talking about hardcore games. Golden Sun Dark Dawn. Um, a, a little 3DS game thrown, or no, just DS game, uh, thrown in here. Um, it's just a, a regular trailer doing the <laughs> the JRPG thing that you hate, Mark. <laughs> of like, except it's no voice acting. It's just like uh, uh, some text on the screen. Yeah. Um, kind of mixed in with like some uh shots of of gameplay, including what I can only imagine were distressing signs of uh like moving blocks around via the touch screen um it's uh again just like it it just it just sort of sucks a little bit um and i i also had a a moment of realization here that like i don't envy nintendo having to show off um dual screen games in a format where like there's just big green bars on either side and like two separate boxes stacked on top of each other with like the the gameplay inside those little boxes just so much of the screen real estate gets eaten up 
for to preserve the aspect ratio. Yeah, totally. And then um, right after Golden Sun, they do a game that, again, like when they showed it, I was like, oh my gosh, this was such a good idea. Like, I know why they pursued this, but yeah. I, I don't think anybody cared when it came out. Um, it was the Golden GoldenEye 007 um, from Activision, which was like a remake, um, kind of reimagining of the N64 GoldenEye that, you know, they t- touted having like the local multiplayer as well as online multiplayer. Um, Which couldn't have possibly worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're, uh, they're, they're leaning really hard on, this, on the nostalgia for this one. Um, and, you know, the, the whole thing opens with, um, you know, like a, a focus group, which isn't even really a focus group. They're just trying to get reactions out of these people. But it's staged like a focus group where there are a bunch of people around a table um, and someone's asking questions like, what would you say is the most foundational console multiplayer shooter of all time? And people are like, oh, GoldenEye. Um, and then them being like, what if I told you there was a new GoldenEye? And then people flip out. Um, and yeah, I, I just like you, Mark, I don't really remember it having any sort of I remember the the announcement being a like, whoa. Um, but then the actual release of the game just being a total thud. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. And um, yeah, I think you're right that like there just isn't really I just don't think there is an appetite as much for like this sort of thing on we because or because what GoldenEye did did like that idea of like this like multiplayer game and it evolved so much and was available on like so many other platforms mm-hmm. that um I, I just don't think that like the audience was there for it. And I, it probably didn't help that the game was just like a little bit mediocre, but it especially didn't help like looking back on it now, where you're like, ooh, these like realistic trying looking games on Wii, like yeah. do not look good. It's also, so we're in 2010, which means we're in a post-Casino Royale world, right? Um, oh, so it, like I, no, the, it, it was totally, it's in the parts that they showed in the cutscenes. It's 100% not Pierce Brosnan. It's um, uh, yeah, Daniel Craig. It's Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um, which is like, I don't know, so much, <laughs> like, it's just weird to be like, oh yeah, GoldenEye, the, the, all of the, having just watched all the James Bond movies uh, since quarantine started, um, like, the tone of each uh, actor who plays Bond is so different that like trying to just drop Daniel Craig into GoldenEye is a conceptual nightmare. <laughs> right? um, it's just, it's just trying to, it's, it's just demonstrating that like Nintendo's trying to bring back a uh, like hardcore game concept on a not hardcore game console uh, using an IP that has also moved on from what it used to be 20 years ago. Like the, the whole thing is just like a, an atemporal mess, right? Like it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but I guess good to have Activision supporting the platform. <laughs> well, and, and like, like at the time, like watching this trailer again, like it made me smile. Cause I'm like this, what? Like I get the idea, like the idea is solid. Like that's a fun idea. Um, but I think, you know, like when it came down to it, there just wasn't that the demand for like the finished product. Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, after that, uh, Reggie um, intros, uh, 
Disney Epic Mickey, which is, of course, a Mickey Mouse game. Um, who developed this, Mark? I, I don't have it in my notes. Um, Looking Glass Studios, I think, which was... It's headed by Warren Spector, not the uh, music producer slash murderer. Um, <laughs> which is uh, good. It's a good note. It's a good <laughs> note. <laughs> um, but yeah, like... Uh, he's an industry veteran, and there. Uh, this is another game where, like, clearly the ambitions, like when it was revealed and the concept art, were like huge. And it eventually, I think, just got like pared back and compromised. To you know, like he comes out and he is talks about how excited he is to be able to like build these this game based on like old Disney theme parks and abandoned Disney theme parks, and like you know, like uh, he's clearly a big fan of Disney history. And I was really excited for this game. Um, and, you know, they do, like, a big demo here. And he talks about how, like, it's all about, um, like, play style matters. And, like, all of these, like, really big sounding I think ideas. But when the game came out, like, we, you've talked about in the past how one of the most fun things about Mario, like, just making Mario run brings you joy. But, like, Mickey wasn't that fun to control. Like, he was kind of floaty. You have to use him in yeah. these, like... Um, like side scrolling components and like the platforming controls aren't all that great. It just was like compromised in too many angles and rewatching this demo just reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, the demo itself looks really good, right? Like the, uh, it, especially coming right off of the uh, GoldenEye trailer um, where like the more stylized Mickey, mm -hmm. like that, that art style um, made a lot more sense. I think it was definitely running on not a Wii um like it, it must have been running on uh stronger hardware um because it just looked cleaner like i think there's no way that game actually looked like that when they put it out well it's also hard because like they or and like all these games like skyward sword was was the same thing where you know like um they were showing it in widescreen and all this stuff which was possible with the wii but was not yeah. like you know it didn't ship with it didn't even ship with, there was no HDMI. It didn't even ship with component cables. You had to buy those separately. Yeah. And by the end, they were hard to find. So it's like, yeah, I think for like, if nothing else, for like, you know, at least 90% of the people who owned Wii's, yeah, it, the game looked nothing like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I already mentioned this, that um, as Reggie is introducing Adam and Warren uh, to come out, he says that they're here to present Disney Epic Disney. Um, he also uh, is describing Mickey and he tries to say world renowned. Um, but like the words are just garbled. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like he must have just been in his head at this point, And I believe this is when he tries to walk off the wrong side of the stage, turns around and walks the other way. Um. Mark, this is a reference for probably just you and me, but uh, Adam, the guy who was demoing Epic Mickey as Warren was describing it, looked like a Tim Kalpakis character to me. <laughs> Tim Kalpakis, one of the birthday boys. <laughs> Super square jaw. Um, yeah, it just, it, it, that made me chuckle. Uh, okay, uh, play style matters. You know, uh, God, it, it really did seem like this game should have been right up my alley. Um, but much like uh, GoldenEye just sort of fell short of, you know, whatever they expected the, uh, you know, wh whatever they expected the end result to be. Well, okay, it, next I we're mean, moving on. It well, did end up yes. selling pretty well because they, they had a sequel that was multi-platform. So, like, yeah. I think it sold well, but Disney started getting out of games around, like, the time of the second one. And I just don't think it really captured people's imagination the way that um, they hoped it would, for sure. It's a killer concept. Like, 
I, I that's something that I wish they could like re-explore now, um, or even re-release now, like remaster now. It would it would just be cool to. I don't know. I I feel like we're in a much more um reflecting on, you know, lost stuff uh time right now. Like nostalgia might be stronger now than it was in 2010 and especially around like Disney ephemera. Um yeah, it just it just makes me think that like the time for Epic Mickey uh wasn't in 2010 and it's probably in 2020. Not that it'll happen. Uh then we move on to Kirby's Epic Yarn um which uh is introed by Reggie with a series of yarn and crafting puns uh before he even uh, reveals that the name of the game is Kirby's Epic Yarn um there's not really too much to say he shows he shows the the trailer and says uh you'll find that it's it's not the way it looks but the way it works um and he does not specify what he's talking about uh in that these main selling points of Kirby's Epic Yarn are the way it looks. Like, that is the way it looks. That's why you play the game. It's adorable, and the art design is amazing. It, um, it, it, is, it is adorable. Like, when Kirby turns into that car and he's making that little beep-beep sound. Meep, meep. It's just, it's, it's very cute. Uh, and, then, and then we move into Dragon Quest Nine. Woo-woo. Uh, been out. Woo! Which had been out in Japan for a little bit, uh, and it's old 4.2 million uh, copies. Uh, and you know, that leads into all sorts of like bragging about numbers, which is a super weird way to talk about games in 2010, over 300 monsters, Reggie says. <laughs> um, and this is basically just the lead into, and it's coming out, um, in the U S on July 11th, but I believe, uh, that release date was either already known or like that release window was already known because it gets no reaction yeah none whatsoever it was already known because um they they hyped dragon quest 9 pretty good and i love this game you know he talks about the multiplayer and how that plays a big part into it and that is true for a lot of people i played it completely solo and still loved the game um he also talks about like tag mode which uh it basically was like dragon quest street pass and when we get into the 3DS uh, segment, they talk about like the difference between what the DS could do and what the 3DS could do. But it's just interesting yeah. to remember that like the DS had like a Street Pass type thing, but it was game specific. So if you wanted to do it for like Nintendogs or Dragon Quest Nine, you had to like have Dragon Quest Nine as the game that is was on your system, and then have it in sleep. Yeah, which uh, is yeah, it's it's just so specific. But I mean, you know, also the the 3DS didn't have like. Uh, a hard drive right like it was just it was just reading the game that you couldn't down there was no store on it right on the ds yes yeah, yeah yeah not until the dsi <sighs> uh outrageous and then we move into uh metroid other m which again this isn't the the reveal of it here uh the game is coming out uh just two months later or a month and a half later at the end of august um uh, Reggie mentions that isolation and desperation have not been lost, um, but they are pushing the emotional depth of, uh, you know, whatever gameplay. <laughs> Who knows? Um, it's 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 just sort of a, a quick touch uh, with Metroid Other M. Um, do you have anything to say about that, or do you want to get into Donkey Kong Country? <laughs> we talked about Donkey Kong Country, but it's a fun like Metroid Other M. We didn't know at that point, right? So it was it was a fun trailer. The music is so good. And, um, you know, like looking back on it, it's a little, it's a little disappointing, but at the time I was super hyped. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was, everyone wanted a new Metroid. Um, 
which Reggie uses as uh, Metroid. You know who made some good retro uh, Metroid games? Retro Studios. We asked them what they wanted to make next, and they said Donkey Kong Country. Um, and, you know, it is teased sort of uh, expertly with just the music first, um, the very recognizably Donkey Kong Country uh, music. Um, people love this reveal, right? Uh, the reveal of Donkey Kong Country gets a big pop. Um, and uh, there's no mention of how, whereas uh, Skyward Sword spends a ton of time talking about how you're going to control the game, uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns trailer, no mention of the uh, motion and waggle controls that are present in this thing. Um, so it seems like they, and they just don't, they just don't talk about it a lot, right? They just like show the trailer and then move on. Yeah. And it, it was, I think it got like the biggest applause of the um, presentation. And especially when it, you find out you're coming, it was coming out just a few months later at the end of the year. Yeah. I smiled through this entire trailer. Like you said, like the music made me so happy. It reminded me how cool those sunset levels like looked at the time and yeah. how good they still look. Like, um, uh, man, I, it made me so happy that Donkey Kong Country is back. And it made me want like retro or somebody to make a third game. I'd love to play another another one of those. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think uh, the one thing that uh, bummed me out uh, watching this trailer 10 years removed um, is that that title sucks. The title of the game, Donkey Kong Country Returns, like kind of cool in the moment when the game comes out. But now like going back to it and being like, this is Donkey Kong Country Returns. It's the fourth game in the season. You know, like, what is this? What are we doing? In it's like calling... It's like calling the new Super Mario Brothers games new. Like, it just doesn't work after a certain point in time when new is old. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Then, look. We've been, to we've been talking about Donkey Kong. We've been talking about Kirby. That's the past, man. Uh, now it's time for us to talk about the future. Um, 3D play on the Nintendo 3ds um and reggie goes into full-on trash talking mode he where he's well first of all they show like a uh kind of like sizzle reel about like the journey of 3d technology um which is strange there's like a point in it where it's like 3d discovered and it's like 400 ad or something <laughs> it's very <laughs> This this uh this little like package here is uh funny um and stops at like 2009 or 2008 whenever Avatar came out um and it's just like uh you know article after article like 3D explosion everyone loves 3D well that um, that that is so yeah. my question with the 3DS looking back on it now is like obviously when Avatar came out and was like this um huge huge event. And then yes. for the next at least, like, two years or 18 months, like, 3D movies, a lot of them did well. Like, that Tim Burton, Alice in Wonderland, partly yeah. because they were in 3D. Like, that was an event. And it really did seem like 3D was going to have this huge resurgence. And so, obviously, Avatar, like, the 3DS had to have been in development before Avatar came out. So, was Nintendo working on this? And then it just became, like seemingly really like fortuitous timing and so that's what they made like all of their focus around was the fact that it was like glasses 3d that it was like the future of 3d 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it's it, it is a weird like the the 3D is already a little bit of a weird thing to hang your hat on, um, and then like on top of that, the glassesless 3D as though you know that was the one thing that everyone was just like praying for. I wish we could watch <laughs> stuff without 3D glasses. Well, it is interesting. Like, I mean, did you ever did you own a a 3D TV? No. Yeah. So no, like, never. I bought a TV from uh like a friend like because they got a new one and so like i bought theirs in maybe like 2014 or 2015 and it was a 3d tv and it came with like a pair of or two pairs like 3d glasses that like i never had any use for because by the time i bought it in 2014 or whenever it was like um the fad was already gone like there they weren't really releasing content for it you know like uh so this was like such a short window where everybody was like so excited about 3D, um, I don't know. It, it's just so interesting. It's that part of it is so interesting to me because, like, by the end of the 3DS's life, like the 3D was completely just like an afterthought. Yeah, and a lot of games like uh, the Pokemon games at the end, uh, Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, didn't even have uh, 3D. Like, <laughs> you just couldn't even turn it on. Yeah, it did. They they don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, and uh yeah the the one of the things and you know just sort of to your point about like never having um like a anything to watch in 3d that is one of the things that um uh reggie's talking about that they're prioritizing was making sure that they had a bunch of 3d game content available for the first day on the market um but the the 3ds launch is uh notoriously thin game wise right that there were a lot of games that weren't ready or that they were slow to get to market that's why they had to do like the 3ds ambassador program to thank people well, for buying early so i think that the 3ds and price drop. yeah i think the 3ds ambassador program was more around pricing because the because the 3ds was really expensive when it came out it didn't sell hot right out of the gate so they dropped the price not much later and so i think the ambassador program was more about like thanking people for buying when it was so much more expensive. Um, yeah. Like, I actually think the 3DS launch was not bad. And, you know, Awad even talks about how uh, the Nintendo had to do... People didn't really believe in the DS, and they didn't really believe in the Wii, so Nintendo had to do a lot of the groundwork themselves. But that for the 3DS, they had a lot of more, like, third-party support. Um, and so I, I don't remember the 3DS launch being, like, terrible. I think, like... Resident Evil Mercenaries was on it and like uh um Street Fighter 4 and some other stuff but like they don't talk about games in this at all. Yeah. So the the let, let's get to the first game that they do talk about. Oh, actually, before we get to that, um, Iwata, who Satoru Iwata has come out at this point, and he's uh, describing the 3DS and why it's exciting. Um, and the, there's an improvement to the graphics and uh, to the input. You know, there's the, now the slide pad um, and, like, gyroscopic, like, tilt controls um, in, in the 3DS. Um, and, uh, you know, points out the, the two camera lenses that let you take 3D photos, um, which also gets a weird pop from the audience. Like, they seem to be interested in taking 3D photos. Um, and then Iwata mentions 3D movies. And uh, he name checks uh, Disney, Warner Brothers, and DreamWorks. Um, and that you could see 3D trailers on the 3DS for, uh, uh, like, How to Train Your Dragon, Tangled, and something else. Guardians of Gaul. There we go. <laughs> um 
that you would be able to see those on the show floor. Mark, do you remember if any of these came out, if they put out movies on the 3DS? I, yeah, I, I don't think they put out... I have no memory of them putting out full-length content. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that uh, here and in the 2004 uh, presentation, they were talking about um, like releasing episodes of TV shows for the Game Boy Advance, which just, all of this is so funny and just not at all why people use these <laughs> use these systems. Um, but like I, I remember actually seeing those um, those uh, episode carts, game cartridges in stores. Um, I don't ever remember seeing um, 3D movies. Yeah, I don't either. Um, which then leads into uh, a little bit of a, a hype up of um, Masahiro Sakurai's Project Sora um, and the first game that they are putting out, uh, which is a game built from the ground up for 3DS and, of course, is Kid Icarus Uprising. This trailer has such awesome music. This is a fun trailer. It's a this is a great trailer and uh like the room is there for it because the room at first like before you see Pit is like what is like you can hear you can feel that the crowd is like sorta on board but like doesn't really know and then they see Pit and they're like oh my god it's Kid Icarus um which is just such a cool like uh show of faith for like how well that character is treated in Smash right um and watching this trailer made me wish that there was a version of this game that was like playable without having to rely on the touchscreen for combat because it that really makes the game borderline unplayable yeah it's interesting that you know like in this this is really just a revealed trailer and uh they don't talk anything about like the like grip thing that you could buy that added an extra like uh um uh circle pad and they don't that's what that did right or am i thinking of something so else they, for kid icarus so there the, there was a stand that you could buy oh, that was like it. sold yeah that came with the game but then there was also the circle pad pro which like added another circle pad onto it i don't know if that came out right away or later i it must have come out later like for i think it was for monster hunter that they ended up doing Great it point. um but yeah it, but it's interesting that at in e3 2010 there is no gameplay that you can do for yourself at all. They said that all on the show floor, you can see a 3D trailer. But yeah, they weren't ready to talk about how this thing plays at all at this point. Which again, in stark contrast to what we just saw for Twilight, or no, uh, Skyward Sword, where they can't wait to show you how much, uh, you know, swinging the Wii remote, uh, making the Link swing the sword around, like how, how immersive that is. Um, this game, they are not talking about uh, how it controls and it like reflecting on it is is just so strange that this is a game that they like that project sora was put together to design a game for the 3ds right like not to design a game and then figure out where to put it it was designed for the 3ds and like this whole team was put together masahiro sakurai like golden child of nintendo um and then they make a game that doesn't play well on the 3ds that like doesn't use its tools in a compelling way it's just it's it's fascinating i think it's interesting like inadvertently and we almost maybe should have done these e3s in reverse <laughs> so we were leading up to ones that were <laughs> yeah. a little more fun because like um you know the uh these last two and I, i'm i guess i'm projecting a little bit because i haven't seen the um 2011 one but I, I just feel like we're 
the 2010 one, we're at this really weird period in Nintendo where um, they're beginning to make those like little missteps. Like, like the yeah, the 3DS is a, an amazing system, but it has a rough launch, and it's like the price is a little bit wrong. I know the 3D was really like um like a lot. Everybody was talking about 3D around this time, but I don't know that a ton of people had like real enthusiasm for it. Like it's like yeah. all these like incremental missteps that re- like you it's painful to watch it happen. Yeah, it 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 absolutely is. Um and you know like uh, even even though like some of this does sort of work like this thing isn't like a a total uh, they're not taking a total bath here like uh, they they're talking through um street pass comes next right um and talking about how uh, as you were mentioning on the DS if you wanted to use the sort of like network features in like idle mode that was all software specific but that it was happening on a hardware level for the 3DS so you could just close your 3DS and um you know it would connect with other players and their information about, you know, uh, other games that the two of you are playing together or the Street Pass games uh, would just be communicated uh, between the machines. Uh, and they say without you knowing, which is a little ominous, but is also <laughs> like, I don't know, it's St- Street Pass was all I always thought was cool. Um, and I always wished that I was uh, playing it when I lived in a, a city where I was like taking public transportation. Totally. Um, or that I was like going to school or whatever. And like, that would have just been a fun thing to, uh, collect, um, you know, street pass stuff, uh, on, on, uh, day to day. Um, then, uh, and also of course, uh, that there is no monthly fee for the, uh, 3DS online, um, network, uh, sort of continuing a Nintendo thing that, uh, would be uninterrupted until the switch. Um, and then uh, Nintendo Dogs and Cats gets announced, and the audience groans and then applauds. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, right, out of obliga- obligation. It's also weird because this yes. is literally, literally the only Nintendo first party game that they talk about for the 3DS at this show. Uh, I, I guess mean, other uh, than, other than Kid, Icarus. It, Kid Icarus, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I mean, that, that, is a, that is a strange launch lineup. <laughs> Nintendo dogs and cats and Kid Icarus, um, but then they start going through the uh, the list of third party uh, publishers. There's like a, a big graphic with all these logos on there, and it is a pretty it is a pretty good list. Um, and when they start going through individual developers, we see uh, like Square Enix is coming with a Kingdom Hearts game, uh, Capcom with Resident Evil, Konami with Metal Gear, um, and then everyone laughs at the THQ slide, which says Saints Row on it, um, because everyone suddenly has to deal with the thought that there would be a Saints Row game on a <laughs> Nintendo handheld. But I, I don't know. I I sort of I sort of like this thing, uh, and then followed by the uh, like interview reel with developers talking about the the 3ds. Yeah, very similar to what we saw with like the reveal of the DS, where they're talking about how like the 3ds is going to be a game changer. Um, it, with the hindsight, or with like the benefit of hindsight, it's funny to see Metal Gear Solid on there because what we ended up getting was like a version of Metal Metal Gear Solid Three that like nobody was really happy with but it is like i mean that's cool like who would have ever guessed that you could put a metal gear solid game on like a handheld um like or on the, that it would show up on a nintendo handheld like that's really yeah that's really fun um but yeah like i i think even here 
you know the the 3ds i think shipped in 20 in early 2011 in um the u.s in the u.s but even here you begin to see like kind of the struggles that you nintendo has just in general with like how do you sell a 3d system when its big selling point is the fact that it's in 3d but you can't you can't how do you illustrate that how do you illustrate the fun and benefits of that unless you're watching it in like a like it just doesn't make sense like scene really would have to be believing which uh you know uh, again is just like not like for me personally was not why i bought the 3ds like I, i i would be interested in talking to someone who bought it because it could do 3d um like yeah, you know, I I honestly can't remember even what it was that made me buy one in the first place. Um, but like, well, just because it's the new Nintendo handheld, exactly. Right? And I and like, look, the uh, like we're um we're uh not talking up the great things about the 3DS here because they don't talk about them in the presentation because the 3DS was an amazing is an amazing system. Like, and there were so many good games on it. But it the, it reminds me a lot of the Apple Watch, where when the first one was revealed and mm. they came out, right? They were taken their best shot at what they thought people wanted like would it be cool if we're sending each other heartbeats would it be cool if we're doing like doing all this stuff and then it took them a while of people actually using it for them to figure out like oh like people care about this aspect of it so that's what we're going to like focus on and i feel like the same thing happened with the 3ds yeah i that's 100 correct um so then reggie comes back to sort of close out the show um and uh then at this point actually like puts up a graphic on the screen uh sort of recapping all of the games that uh they they talked about in this presentation uh, and again these are all uh games for either the DS or the Wii um and you know honestly when when he says them all back to back like this and it's not stretched out over the course of an hour the list is kind of compelling right it's Skyward Sword uh Mario Sports Mix Kirby's Epic Yarn, Donkey Kong Country Returns, Disney Epic Mickey, Dragon Quest Nine, Golden Sun, Golden Eye, Metroid Other M, and Kid Icarus Uprising. I was wrong. There was one uh, uh, three 3DS uh, game in there. Um, it's a lot of big first-party Nintendo stuff. It's a lot of uh, you know just exclusive to um, Nintendo platform stuff. Uh, but like for whatever reason, the the whole presentation feels really uh like flat and slow to me yeah i i, I think it was a pa- a pacing thing and again like i feel like we're so blessed that nintendo directs exist now because those things are like 45 <laughs> minutes and they're packed right there's nobody walking across the stage or you know like there's a part where iwata the this like pillar slowly rises out of the floor and then yeah. like it's there's a 3ds standing on it but even from the angle that they're shooting it, it seems so small and insignificant. So I can't even imagine what it was like being in the Nokia theater. And you're like, what's going oh, yeah. on? What's happening? And then Iwata like holds it up. And then he uh, like walks to the center of the stage. And it's just like 15 or 20 seconds of just like dead air. And yeah, that like takes like all the excitement out of the announcements. Because you're right, like lined up like that, like... It's not it's not a bad lineup. I think this is the last year that we would see anything like this. Um yeah. But in and of itself, not too shabby. Um and then we go to a, a cute little 3DS trailer uh 
that is I, I guess like an attempt to dramatize what glasses 3d is like um but in reality it's just showing different uh nintendo execs being sucked into the 3ds <laughs> right <laughs> yeah this is such a weird thing um and uh is uh so like there's some zelda stuff that we see in that um which i mean there wasn't like a, a zelda game coming out uh imminently on the 3ds so whatever um there's uh like nintendogs right um uh like mr miyamoto like shakes the hand of a dog who like comes out and then they both go into the thing together um and then reggie shows up and uh bowser so this is presumably from Super Mario 3D Land, right? Which hasn't been teased or mentioned or anything in any other capacity uh, during this presentation. Um, the Bowser comes out of the 3DS, breathes fire, and melts <laughs> Reggie. Uh, and then when we come out of the video, Reggie's jacket has been burned. Which is cute. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. Um, and at that point, Reggie's like, okay, but that still, that still didn't do it. I, we're still not communicating what the power and the like novelty of the 3DS actually is. So the only way to do it is to put 3DSs in your hands. Uh, so bring out uh, the 3DSs. <laughs> and it is like swarms, a back line at the back of the stage, another line at the front of the stage. Um, Got to be at least 200. Like I said, mostly blonde women uh, with 3DSs like stapled to their sides um, so that people could play them there before for uh the the journalists were bused to whatever they were going wherever they were going next um and then there were also uh we consoles up at the front of the stage like four of again, them rising out of the ground yeah, yeah. Like four of them <laughs> so people could you know not get skyward sword to work the same way that uh miyamoto couldn't uh and that's it's a, a sort of soft end to the presentation it's right? a soft end but like also a really bizarre one to be watching like why broadcast this part it's so I don't weird know. it is so unsettling to me to yes. see these this veritable like army of booth babes like stream <laughs> from the back wearing identical clothing um yeah. like with these 3ds's like tethered to themselves i <laughs> yeah. i i did not appreciate this part no. And con culture at the time, especially video game con culture at the time, uh, and even now and always, uh, is is bad and sexist in a lot of ways. Um, but like, you know, then like the, this whole, you know, Mark, you used the, the phrase booth babe, which was just like a thing that they would do is just like hire uh, models and actresses just to hang out at booths and be like eye candy for gross pervs. Um, and like it's weird to see Nintendo engaging in that same thing for this part of the presentation, right? With their like, I I always with their like still you know like wholesome Nintendo image, but it's just like yeah, yeah. this is just part of the deal. Like this is what these trade shows are. Um, I always think yeah. of like that. Uh, I can't remember which show they go to in The Simpsons, but there's like the um the woman standing next to like a sports car up on the stage and like people fill out uh the like sweepstakes slips and you know Homer's yeah. like do you come with the car as he drops it as he drops it in and she's like oh you and then a guy comes up right. and does the same exact thing like after her after homer yeah disgusting it's super <laughs> gross <laughs> also where um, like uh, look like where where are the hot booth like uh where booth are the guys booth boys? <laughs> yeah the booth yeah. boys that's right <laughs> um it, it's an excellent question uh and like it, it just also uh there there are a few women in the lineup that uh, that aren't blonde 
and aren't white, but very, very few. few. Like, it is not a diverse crowd. Um, and so, like, the whole thing is just like, oh, like, who marched this, like, Aryan, you know, buffet <laughs> of... I know. It's gross. It's so I hate weird. it. It's really, it's re- truly unsettling. Because, like you said, there's like 200 of them, and it, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so weird. It's so weird. I can't stress how much, how like creeped out I was by it. Yeah, and we wouldn't be talking about it so much <laughs> if we didn't also hate it. Okay, Mark. Uh, so we have reached the end of the 2010 presentation. Um, in our conversations about the previous two, we were like, yeah, go check this thing out. It's interesting. It's a good watch. It's fun. Nintendo has very clear and focused and it's obvious what they're trying to do and philosophically what the whole company is about. Um, do you feel that way about this presentation? So the thing that I think is interesting about this is that they are like, um, I, I feel like they're still pretty clear and focused. Like Reggie comes out at the beginning and is like, here's my thesis statement for this Wii section. Or right, like, and uh, here's what you're gonna see and here's why we're doing it. And then same with 3DS. They're like, here's the deal with the 3DS and here's why we're doing it. The thing that I think that sets this one apart from the other two is like the other two, we, we hear what they are saying and we are like, yes, this one, this makes sense. And two, how right they were. And then now yeah. we, this presentation, you begin to be like, I guess this makes sense or like what you're saying like i understand your point of view but like i have no i have very little enthusiasm for it and it's interesting to see that like transition happen yeah i mean the the whole idea the whole selling point that like you want to play 3d games or uh, take in 3d content but without those dang glasses the premise is just false like you know we i i think we experienced uh, something like Avatar in 3D because it was like the new novel way to like watch the thing. And then I think a lot of us saw 3D movies after that as sort of like, I mean, uh, you know, where you're like, oh, did you get tickets for the 3D one? Oh, shoot, I did. And you're like, okay, well, we're going to see the, the one in 3D. Um, I remember going to see the first Thor movie um, and like going to the theater and realizing that like the one we were going to see was the 3D one and changing our tickets for like a later showing so that we could see it in 2D. Um, like, I just don't think it was ever outside of like a few very specific instances it was just never a draw well that's and why it wasn't going to be a draw for this and that's why i'm i'm really interested like in the alternative history where nintendo rolls out the 3ds and avatar did not come out and like the 3d mm. movies were not a success and so they were not positioning it like because you know in this presentation they uh, it's treated as a given that people want 3D content and love 3D, yeah. but they the piece they don't like about it, the limiting factor are the glasses. And I would be really curious to see like if like the state of the world was not that. Like when Nintendo was developing the 3DS internally, Avatar had not come out, so nobody knew yeah. that 3D was going to be like the the um this like ex- having this like explosion of um eyes on it that it ended up having so it's like what does that 3DS rollout look like when they weren't piggybacking off of the like temporary enthusiasm for 3D yeah well and it's it yeah i mean that that, that is a a great question um and it's also like i don't know the 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 fact that you would need glasses for anything else um, but also the the 3ds glasses list technology asks 
uh, just as much discomfort of its user as wearing glasses. Like you have to hold it in a very specific place for the 3D effect to work. And they get they get around that in the new 3DS. Um, also, if you're wearing glasses, like forget it. <laughs> like you just you just can't get it to work. Um, so like you know they, yeah the 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 premise of like the demand is false, and even the premise of the delivery is false. Um, and it's weird that they don't know that just being like, here's a new, more powerful DS is selling point enough of its own. It makes me super curious to be see what the Switch's um, successor is going to look like. Like, will Nintendo be content in just do- doing a, like, super Nintendo-esque, where it's like, it's the thing you love, but more powerful. I'm I'm so, so curious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's a great... That is a great point because I feel like the NES to the Super NES is the only time that Nintendo's done that. Like the same thing, but more buttons and more powerful. Like the uh, the Nintendo 64 is such a departure in uh, controller style. Um, I guess maybe the Nintendo 64 to the GameCube is a pretty lateral move. And the like Game Boy the to the lines. Game Boy Advance, like, you know, is like yeah. a similar step. But I totally understand what you're saying. Like in modern Nintendo history, um, yeah. we, we really, I mean, it's been what, like, almost 20 years since the GameCube came out. Like it has been a, we have seen Nintendo in like re um, every generation, they reimagine themselves and that's an exhausting position to be in. And, you know, yeah. like we were talking about with the um, PlayStation five reveal, it's like Sony's in a really comfortable place and they don't feel the need to like reinvent themselves. And I, ju- I just don't know if Nintendo can feel comfortable doing that. <sighs> okay, well, uh, that that's what we thought of the of Nintendo's 2010 E3 presentation. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts, uh, your reactions, your remembrances. Uh, were you one of those uh, 3DS ladies? We would love to hear. Oh my you. gosh! Please, yes, <laughs> please. What was that experience like? We just want to know. Um, you can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, gmail. at gmail.com. gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at Nincart Society. All right, Mark, let's close this out. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. You can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff where someone might see it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. And the Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying there's still four more Avatar movies coming. And thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts 
about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're, you're here to, to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.